Today's Ringer NBA show Heat Check is brought to you by State Farm. A State Farm agent has the knowledge and experience to anticipate your needs. And with State Farm, you get more than just an agent. You get a teammate that gets what matters most to you. So go to statefarm.com to get an agent that gets you. And now, Heat Check. Uh, he's got smoke coming off his fingertips. He's as hot as a blowtorch. It's a heat check. You knew that was coming. It's heat check time. the heat check podcast i'm your host john gonzalez joined as i am every week by our excellent producer isaac lee happy mother's day isaac happy mother's day to you <laughs> i did the uh the math on this we all have mothers yeah so, happy mother's day to your mom to my mom to all the moms at the ringer to all of our uh listeners who are moms we got a good show fun show basketball never stops as we like to say here at the heat check podcast before we get into that we've got uh, all kinds of excellent nba content on the ringer.com koc has a piece on the ringer right now, uh, following game one of the Eastern Conference Finals, which did not go well for the Cleveland Cavaliers, really, to say the least. To say the least uh, so KOC broke that down. Ugly performance by the Cavs, excellent performance by the Boston Celtics, who just cannot be stopped. So that's up on the ringer. Also, we have Jonathan Charks on Andre Iguodala and how he fits in with the Golden State Warriors. That series is set to kick off on Monday as you listen to this. We've also got a fun video about LeBron James with a Han Solo sort of mashup called Bron Solo, a Cavalier story. See what we did there? That's a fun staff video. And uh, we're going to have a live NBA show off the lottery on Tuesday night. You're not going to want to miss that. And of course, we're, we're going to have a ton of NBA Combine content. KOC is going to be in Chicago for the Combine. I just wrote about Mobamba. You can check that out on The Ringer. So we've got all that stuff for you. But first, tons and tons of NBA playoffs. We're going to dig into game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. We're going to preview the Western Conference Finals. And then we're going to do some exit interviews from the four teams that got bounced out of the semifinals. So lots of stuff to talk about. And this one's going to be fun because we've got an all-star cast. We're going to do something we haven't done here before. We're going to go four wide with three of our favorites. Let's hit it. Boom, shakalaka. He's heating up. All right, I'm very excited about this. Joining me in studio, we haven't done this before. So a lot of times with the new Heat Check format, what we do is we like to like shuttle people in and out. It's more of a, a hockey lineup change. For this one, I said, just bring everybody in at the same time. So from my right to my left, we've got Kevin O'Connor here. Hello. We've got Jason Concepcion Hi. here. And fresh off the plane from Dallas, live and in person, Jonathan Charks is here. What's up, guys? We've got four wide, plus Isaac, plus Milton is also here. So yes. we've also got our animal friends represented. <laughs> it's very exciting to talk about basketball. Unless you live in Cleveland. Less exciting. <laughs> Tough look for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, Not a great start to that series. Maybe Marcus Morris is on to something. <laughs> Game one for the Boston Celtics went well. If you are a Celtics fan, they put it on the Cleveland Cavaliers right from the beginning. I mean, it, re it really wasn't a contest. Kevin and I were watching it at work together. And right away, you, you said, hey, Cleveland should really go big. And they didn't really until it was much too late. Yeah, I mean, look, Ty Lue had a choice. Do you continue playing with your your four shooters surrounding LeBron James, which worked tremendously well against Toronto last series and as part of their one of the, their high-powered offenses? Or do you go big and do what worked mm. hot, very effectively in the past against Boston with Thompson really just beating up on Horford and force them to play the lineup that they don't want to play with Baines and Horford? And they ended up not doing it. And Boston came out and just blew them out in the first quarter. And that was pretty much it. And I do wonder if that's the adjustment moving I mean, forward. I mean, Seems likely game two. I feel like we'll go back to 2015, like caveman ball with Mozgov and Thompson. <laughs> slow the game down, throw it inside, win ugly. Because this team, not enough talent to play any other way, I don't think. Winning ugly is like pretty much how they've won this year. It's, so, it's such a weird Cavs year. It's a very, very strange Cavs year. It's hard to get a read on them because they coasted for the entire regular season. We're a horrific defensive team. Yes. How much of that was that they were pacing themselves? How much of that is structural? was hard to say. Clearly, they struggled with the Pacers when the Pacers had some dynamic stuff from the perimeter going on. I just The Celtics just have a really deep roster mm -hmm. and they have a lot of flexibility in the way they can play and they can throw a lot of different looks at LeBron James defensively and they have a lot of guys that can create offense and the Cavs don't. Dude, Celtics are such a weird team. They're weird. But you're right about the looks that they can throw at yeah. the Cavs. Like defensively, they're amazing. 
and and they're so switchable and yeah. everybody that they like with the exception there were times right and they were, they were willing to deal with this but there were times when Terry Rozier would end up getting switched on to LeBron and that's just kind of what happens and you deal with it but almost every other player that they're switching is long gives everybody for the Cavs serious problems defensively i mean that defense doesn't get enough credit i mean like we saw it against the Sixers and now we're seeing it with LeBron too where they're a problem. They're a massive problem. It's kind of funny because yesterday the Celtics Twitter account tweeted out that article about <laughs> yes. how you know the Mar- Marcus Morris is the best non-Kawhi Leonard defender. Let's start it now. Yeah. <laughs> let's, get, let's get that. Let's get that nickname <laughs> out there. And guess what? You know he did a really nice job today, as did Boston's entire defense as a whole. Both teams switched almost all on ball screens and off yeah. ball too, for that matter. But you know when a smaller guy like Terry Rozier got switched onto LeBron, what do they do? They doubled. Mm-hmm. What happened when later in the game uh, it was Rozier? They ended up, you know, when it was on Kevin Love on a switch, they ended up switching while the entry pass was happening. They were doing little things that might appear to be a weakness for Boston, Rozier on LeBron or Rozier on Love. They ended up having a way to counter against that. Their game plan was really, really good. Not only that, but also just the fact, like you said, Gons, they have a lot of good defensive players. So good. Everybody can defend on that. And team. what you're saying, like to me, it's as much on offense. Like, who is Kyle Corvergard ever yeah. on this lineup? Like, what's he going to do? <laughs> Like tackle dudes. Corver's not god awful. I mean, def- he's gonna guard Jalen Brown though. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, that's I mean, just look, not gonna work. It's a mismatch, but I don't think he's like you know bottom of the barrel on defense. Necessarily. But at this level of the game, though, yeah. I mean, he's got to get out of there. For sure, it sucks. He's I mean, good, but it just is what it is. I mean, that's like the other side of it though. It's like everybody's saying, "Oh, Horford's the only star in the Celtics," and that's true, right? He's the only proven star. But Tatum is performing like a star. Jalen Brown is having star nights. Yeah. Like tonight, he was fantastic. So they're getting contributions from other guys that they need to make it so like Corver is going against a really, really good player. Yeah, to me, it's like they get offense from every position. At That's the same hard. time, if the Cavs can at least be competent from deep, but it so, makes it a little easier. You know, 0 for 3 for J.R. Smith from, from 3, 0 for 5 for LeBron, Kevin Love 1 for 4, Kyle Corver 1 of 5, George Hill 1 of 2. Yeah, and so one of the, and four for twenty. So they went four for twenty six. Like, but part of this is a chicken and egg scenario for me yes, because for yeah, sure. on on the one and hand, yes, sure. you're like you're looking at the the Cavs shooters and going, they got to make their shots. However, uh, Charks, as soon as you got off the plane, you were saying like, you know, what did some of their looks look like? Some of them were fine. A lot of them were contested. And again, we saw this against the Sixers. I was just saying game one of the Sixers, right? They were like, oh, I missed so many shots. So so the first series for the Sixers, they shot the lights out, right? Because the Heat were supposed to have a good defense and the Sixers had a lot of shooters and the, the shooters went out. That defense for Boston, especially on the perimeter, is absolutely killer. And... Mark Jackson pointed this out. It was maybe the first good point that Mark Jackson has ever made in a, in a game broadcast, but he was talking about their perimeter defense, and you see the results right here, four for yeah. 26 on the perimeter. And I think, yeah, the Cavs missed some shots, but a lot of it goes to credit their defense, right? Mark is smart. Here's another thing that I wanted to bring this up to you. Sure. Did you hear Mark Jackson say, and, I, and I'll, and I'll br- throw this up to the entire group. Mark Jackson said that Marcus Smart is the greatest perimeter defender in Celtics team history. Celtics team history. I like it. Mark Jackson going That's, on a limb. I mean, look, he is an amazing defender, but they're the Celtics. Is that is that possible? Celtics <laughs> yeah. is a Celtics so, super so fan I, KOC. I, I, Let I us just, know about this. I just pulled up you know, an article like top Celtics defenders in history, and they have John Havlicek one, Dennis Johnson two, Tony Allen three, Reggie Tony Lewis Allen, four, Tony Rajon Allen. Rondo five. Smart's better than Rondo, I think. Reggie Smart's Lewis, better than Rondo. Yeah, I think Rondo so. was fantastic. Peak, peak Rondo? Here's, the thing, here's the thing. I mean, is he better than peak Tony Allen? I don't think so. Yeah, but think but so. the thing is, is Marcus Smart has a really special ability that not many players do of defending bigger players. In the past, yeah. we've seen him against Paul Millsap, Kristaps Porzingis. He had the strip on LeBron James today. He is an unbelievable defensive player. There's no doubt about that. The rankings, top five. I don't know, man. I like, mean, he hasn't played long enough. Like John Havlicek. I don't think my dad was alive. When he did steal the ball that time. I, I can't even tell you. You can't. I mean, you can't. Like that. <laughs> st- that steal one the time ball. he stole the <laughs> ball, and we've heard about it for decades. World I've long said that if Marcus Smart is ever like on a championship team, no matter no matter what team it is, he's going to have a moment like that because Marcus Smart does have the the it factor about him that if he's on a championship team he will have a moment like that Marcus Smart yeah. is having some moments South of Cliff Dallas represent Marcus Morris is having <laughs> some moments the Cavs are having a lot fewer moments did we get because uh, you had mentioned like it's been a super weird year for them it's very strange but so did we like because of what happened with the Raptors did we just forget about everything that came before because they, they crushed the Raptors and we went, oh, right, it's playoff LeBron. He's just going to carry them. It's going to be fine. I, I think to an extent, you know, the uh, recency bias is always 
going to be there, especially in the playoff time. LeBron took advantage of a team that wasn't willing to adjust to what he was doing and and basically just fell back on the things that never worked in the past against him. And he carved them the fuck up. Yeah. Um, the Celtics, they can make so many adjustments. It's just a totally different series. And and if you look down the roster, like who has an edge? LeBron has a, an edge every time he's on the floor. The rest of those matchups, who who's who really has an edge? It's tough to say outside of LeBron. I don't I don't really it, see anything. And that's the thing, really. Is so for like Toronto, I yeah. mean, it was a tough matchup problem that series right. for them because Jonas Valanciunas can't defend Kevin Love. Yes. And Boston has Al Horford, one of the best defensive players in basketball. So Boston has an ability to match up better with Cleveland in a way that Toronto didn't. That's why you got to go to caveman ball. You got to make Baines get in there. Yeah. Maybe make Greg Monroe get in there. That might help you out a little bit. Get that matchup going. Right, and just really try and drag the pace down into the mud. Yeah, that, yeah. That, I mean, like, I, I think, look, I, I said that, like, I tweeted that this morning, and, you know, I kind of feel the same way, but on the other hand, like, just to play devil's advocate, maybe you are better off just playing with this four-out offense because LeBron James, with all that space, is at his best. He's probably not going to be as bad as 5 for 16 again, 0 for 5 from 3. LeBron's probably not going to have a 7-turnover game again. They're probably yeah. not going to shoot as bad I wonder, as poorly as they yeah, did. I wonder if LeBron saw was like, this isn't happening today. I'm shutting it down. Like I have so much energy left in the series. I got to be very careful. He pulled the Rodney Hood. He did. He decided. <laughs> he was like, I can't go back in the game. Put Jose Calderon in there. Yeah. We can can talk- Jose's ready. Jose's ready. <laughs> can we talk about this for a second? So during the game, broadcast it was a fascinating exchange they said that Rodney Hood denied that he uh, didn't want to go back in the game and as we just made fun of said that what he actually said was that Jose Calderon was ready to put Jose in but as Jeff Van Gundy rightly pointed out why the hell then did Rodney Hood apologize if he didn't refuse to go back in the game has anybody hurt himself more over the last year than Rodney Hood Rodney's got a bad attitude and it has hurt him. There's got to be somebody that's hurt himself more because it's not like Rodney came in super, super touted, although his ability to shoot. Nerlens. 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 $70 million. But he's cruising yeah. towards Nerlens territory with this. Not, not guys get literally hurt as much as Rodney Hood does, though, either. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> well, that was good. He's yeah, always good. hurt. There you go. Maybe that's why he's so cantankerous all the time. Well, he's got to watch himself, I guess. I might hurt my ankle out here in this one. But it's really bizarre because you look at this team and like as Jason was saying, you you look up and down the roster and you've got LeBron James and Kevin Love and then you have a bunch of shoulder shrugs. Like, where are you getting offense from, right? Rodney Hood had had an opportunity when he got to Cleveland to remake the narrative about Rodney Hood. I mean, this should be, in theory, a good spot for him. They need offense. He is theoretically a scorer. And instead, he's like, meh. Jose, it's you, buddy. You go. Well, I could see it the other way, too. Like, when I remember when Crowder came to Utah, and they are like, how are you doing in Utah? And he's like, wow, we have a system and there's structure. This is pretty cool. Like, it's hard. I think for some guys, it's hard to be in Cleveland and watch LeBron hold the ball for 45 right. minutes and never do Fair. anything. So it's definitely an adjustment for a younger player like Hood. He's had the ball his whole career. And with Rodney Hood, he's the type of guy that, you know, he used to throw up before games, he used to have nerve, nerve issues. Yeah. So, so no, low mental toughness, what you're saying, Kev? Yeah, yeah. It's, maybe. But I think maybe that's part of it where there's no there's no greater pressure than playing alongside LeBron James, the greatest player of this generation. You're in the maybe NBA. Maybe the greatest ever. Sure, you know, but you, we're talking about fit and every player's yeah. different. All right. I mean, may, maybe for Rodney Hood, he's better off playing in a low-pressure environment than like, the greatest like, pressure. Like, for example, Utah? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, you're in a small market, right? If it, wa- if it wasn't going to be I mean, low-pressure like there. He was bad in Utah. He had some no, moments he was, there. He was okay. Yeah. He was just always hurt. Well, he got 18 minutes today, uh, 11 points, 5 of of 12 after refusing to go into the game was kind of borderline shocking but I honestly what choice I think that says it all right there he played yeah I mean he played yeah. what what he played. It's not like they yeah. have options. Like, what are their options? Is play the guy who refused to go in the game. Like, you it's literally good. have to get in there. Like, seriously, you have to go in. Yeah, we we need you. We need somebody to go in there and eat minutes, please. That, that's the thing. It's like, you know, it's always easy to blame these coaches. It's always easy to say Joe Prunty's playing Shabazz Muhammad. Yeah. It's always easy to say, uh, you know, Ty Lue's playing Jordan Clarkson. But what options do these teams have sometimes? It's we like, won't bring us back up, KOC. You know who they should have played in Milwaukee. Sterling Brown, but that's a whole different. Yeah, that's I, a whole different yeah, story. Yeah, we'll, we, we'll, we'll, whole, we'll talk about that after. He's bringing the pod, this. Yeah. He's bringing this one up. My guy Sterling Brown, but I like Sterling a lot too. But I mean, they're, they're, like for a coach, there must be a reason you're not playing Jetty Osmond, right? There yeah. must be a reason that you have for not playing those what guys. What is it though? I can't you figure know? it. I don't. I don't know what it is. <laughs> you did. So I, th- I thought you were like mostly joking when you said, "What does he have to do to get can on the floor?" Can we see? I mean, he's like, how bad could he be? He looks so. He's looked okay throughout he the hustles. season. He's had moments. Yeah. Jetty, but, Jetty plays really hard. Yeah. He's faced the floor. You know. I would like to see him out there, but I think 
like with Ty Lue, it's kind of a pick your poison thing with, with Boston's defense, right? Because if you're going to try to play fast and outscore the Celtics, that's one option. That means you're going to end up with Tristan Thompson on the bench a lot, or right. you could go the other way. Yeah, see, and try to, me, to play like, the bully if you ball get Tristan thing. like at 35 minutes, that eliminates a lot of Hood's minutes, Clarkson's, right. Greens. Like you got to pick one. The rotation kind of evens out more naturally that way. These are not good options either way, though, is what it's I'm saying, not, because no. Boston's defense is a killer. Here's what I'm wondering though. Like, so let's just say that this first game is emblematic of potentially what the series could be. I yeah. say I always overreact to game one. I love yes, overreacting always. to game one. There's good reason to sometimes. Yeah. Dan Feldman tweeted out a stat today that the teams that won game one and best of seven series have won the series 77% of the time. Teams that won game one, best of seven by 25 plus have won the series 86% of I the guess, time. And was it like, uh, San Antonio Houston last yeah. year? That was one where it, it went the other way. Yeah, and then like how many of those teams have LeBron James? Not many of them, but it's still interesting nonetheless. I'm saying matchup wise uh, and then Boston's defense wise, which again, like I've, all year long, they've just been so good. And, and yes, Brad Stevens is amazing and fine. But let's potentially, if this is the way the series goes and then Boston gets through, are we ready for like a non-LeBron finals? I'm ready for non-Cavs Warriors finals. Like any matchup at that. But are you ready to watch uh, the Boston Celtics with Al Horford as their primary guy and J- and Jason Tatum as their 1A in the final? Like it's narrative. Yes. As narratives go and storylines go. I know you're ready. ready. Yeah, I'm talking to you about this. It'd be a remarkable story for a team without their, two of their three best players and riding on a, a 20-year-old and a 21-year-old. I mean, yeah, what were the odds go, after Hayward went down? Like 50 to 1 probably? It, it, yeah. It'd be a really it's remarkable probably. story, I think. Do you want to see it? I do want to see it. It's it's actually, it's kind of like the Warriors versus like the, uh, the knockoff Warriors in a, in a lot of ways, just yeah. in terms of the things they can do, the way they can switch on defense. The the way proto warriors proto warriors proto warriors it's just like a, it. just a less high octane warriors in terms of the way they approach the game and the way they use their players. I think it's really interesting. The games over the last two seasons between these two clubs have been really exciting during the regular season. Celtics Warriors, yeah, yeah they've, they've yeah that's true actually. They've been really really fun. Um, and the Celtics give the war. I'm not going to say that the you know the Celtics are in any way a favorite, but they give the Warriors certain kinds of matchup problems. Um, and a bit of their own medicine, so to speak. I think it's. I think it'd be an interesting series. I will say that it'll be fun to watch LeBron the rest of the series. Like that's before he gets yeah. to that part. LeBron yeah, yeah, yeah. like guns blaze and it'll be. Yeah. Good. Well, see, that's what. It, that's why I'm as I'm thinking forward. I don't. I don't know that I'm ready for less LeBron in my life. Right. I want as much LeBron as I can possibly get. And also, and not for nothing, just as a Philadelphian. Can we, do we have to get into like the the budding Celtics but dynasty don't, already? Don't it makes me want to feel better. It makes me want to self harm right there, now. Yeah, it it's like what well, we lost the conference champions. No, doesn't it make, doesn't make, make me feel, feel better. better. Here's because again, as I look forward for not just the rest of this season, the rest of the playoffs, but like for the next five seasons or ten seasons, in theory, it should be Philadelphia and the Celtics jockeying, right? But the Celtics are about to add two amazing players for next year and beyond, <laughs> and they're already in the conference finals and potentially going to the finals. Holy shit. No, no more Boston in my life. I haven't. No, I, I thought with the Patriots that that would be plenty. And the Eagles did a service for America by, by vanquishing the awful, terrible new England Patriots. And now what the Celtics rise. Somebody help me here. That's this the, sounds awful. Not you. I said somebody. Season. The Celtics are far ahead. It's, they, they, they are two, yeah, potentially they two are. lottery picks next to your that's, draft too. That's, that's the, the thing. That's yeah. the brutal. It's brutal. <laughs> I don't think they're laughing with me, gang. I that's think they're the laughing at me. You could be a Knicks fan or a Mavs fan. It's yeah, their worst scenarios. I don't, I don't want to hear you crying. Why have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid on my team? Oh, this is so terrible. Let me just ask one. I'm really fascinated by what the Sixers do. This is obviously off topic. What do they do about Fultz? I can't. I think they I have to make have it. A, <laughs> I, my thing is, they need to make a determination quickly whether they th- yeah. what they think he's going to be for real, and then they need to make a decision about whether they cut bait or not. And I think they need to do it soon because their the window f- is smaller than you think. It the is. funny thing is, like, he's exactly the guy they needed in the last round. Like, yes. His like theoretical yes. skill set would have been like perfect. We're gonna have exit interviews at the end of this podcast with the teams that got bounced out of the finals. Yeah, we'll do it. So we'll, I guess we'll talk about Folds. I need a breather from this. We're gonna talk about the uh, Western Conference Finals. We're gonna preview that. But first, a word from our sponsors. Today's Ringer NBA show Heat Check is brought to you by State Farm. With over 19,000 State Farm agents nationwide, you can get an agent that gets you as well as 
Devin Booker maybe gets Luka Doncic next year, which is the focus of the Ringer's latest NBA relationship goals video. We did this really fun video on the ringer.com. You can find it on our website. You can find it on our YouTube channel. Chris Ryan and Jason Gallagher breaking down where Luka might end up, where DeAndre Ayton might end up, where Trey Young might end up. And uh, it was a fascinating look inside of the numbers and also what they do well and where they might fit well. The bummer of that video was, I guess they hate Trey Young because they have him going to Orlando. So I feel bad for Kevin Clark, but no matter who ends up in Orlando, that person's career is probably cooked. So good luck to that person. But anyway, go check that video out. You can see all of that and more on the ringer.com, the ringer's YouTube channel, uh, which is youtube.com slash the ringer. And of course the ringer's Facebook or Twitter. And remember like teammates on the court, a relationship with a state farm agent sets you up for success off the court. Go to statefarm.com to get an agent that gets you. Heat Check is also brought to you by ADT is your home and ADT home. If not, get ADT and help protect against break-ins, fire, carbon monoxide. For a limited time only, get ADT's lowest rate starting at just $28.99 a month from the most trusted name in home security. Guess what? That's just a dollar a day. ADT is the first security company to help keep you safe at home and when you're on the go with the new ADT Go app. Not to mention, ADT Go also offers a family locator, private messaging, automatic check-ins, and safe driving reports. It even includes an SOS button with 24-7 emergency response, and you get ADT Go with the purchase of any security system. Go to ADT.com slash podcast to take advantage of ADT's lowest rate. ADT, tested, trusted, proven, 36-month monitoring contract, early termination and installation fees apply. It excludes taxes and fees, applies to traditional services only. Certain markets are excluded. Licenses available at ADT.com. And now, back to Heat Check. All right, so not looking good for uh, the Cavaliers. We'll see if they can rebound in the Eastern Conference. But Western Conference Final starts on Monday, gang. Sharks, you have a piece up on the ringer.com looking at Andre Iguodala and how he joined the Warriors, and that really started this area of Warriors-ness. But we've been barreling towards this all season long, right? I mean, like, the Warriors-Rockets is what we've been waiting for. I'm excited about it. Yeah, for sure. It should be fun. I mean, first night of the season, it was like 120-122. Yeah. Like Warriors. And ever since then, it's been prelude to did this. We, did we all make predictions here? Did Let's go around the... Yeah, let's, let's go, go around the... Like, what did you say? You, you I start. said Warriors in six. Warriors in six. Houston in seven. Yes! KOC is rolling the dice! I like it! Yeah, I'm with the Warriors. Uh, six or seven. I would like to see... I mean, this is, this is going to be a fascinating series because styles make matchups, right? Yeah. And it's like all year long, they have been the two best teams in the NBA and they play radically different offensive styles yes. in that the Warriors whip the ball around the perimeter. They're super pass heavy. They're at top of the league in assist rate and the Houston Rockets are not because they score a lot off their first and second actions and they yeah. play a lot of iso ball. And when Kevin and I were in Boston for the Sloan Analytics Conference, Maury talked about this very thing with Zach Lowe and he was like, look, you know, sometimes, especially in the playoffs, your offense doesn't matter. You just need a bucket in one yeah. moment. And that's yeah. kind of how they played all year. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this goes. Uh, I wrote about that before the finals last year when I picked Cleveland to beat Golden State, which did not go well. But, you know, the point of the article kind of stands in the sense that, you know, even Golden State, they run more isolations the deeper you get into the playoffs. I don't have the numbers on, offhand exactly, but it was, it was a pretty significant increase, especially in the fourth quarter of games. So for Houston... That's really what they do best, right? They are probably the best isolation team in basketball, yeah. except for maybe the team that has Stephen Curry and Kevin Durant. Yeah, we'll that, see the maybe we'll see the Steph Katie pick and roll for like a long part of the series, which would be nice to see that. Like they're going to be pushed finally, hopefully. It's really interesting how these two teams kind of embody all the philosophical changes that have that have emerged over the league in the league over the last ten years. It's like a return to iso ball when you can do it in certain situations efficiently enough it's actually good this is what we've yeah. discovered is like if you can if you can get free throws and rim looks out of it it's a great offense yeah and i think too like so it seems like for the most part small ball has won the day like the big for small thing is over this might be the next like ideological thing it's right. like isos yeah. versus ball movement like the next couple of years and i and i love watching those differences stylistically but also strategically right like when are you going to bring out pick and roll with those guys for the Warriors and when are you going to just decide hey we need a bucket right now and like does that break down the overall like schematics of your offense and what you're trying to do and the adjustments in a way though whoever gets through this it feels like is the presumptive champion 
with apologies to your Boston Celtics p- potentially if they get through or LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Like, doesn't it feel like this is kind of the finals? Yeah, it feels like that, but you know, I mean, guys get hurt all the time. Yeah, you never you're right. Know. One injury yeah. away. Yeah, we get two finals. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. What are you most like? What matchups are you most looking forward to? I mean, to me, it's KD. I feel like this is a series where if KD can like be KD, get thirty efficiently against these elite defenders, then what's going to happen? I feel like last year they really didn't have to do anything. Golden, they just kind of yeah. won on pure talent. Yeah. It's so, like this year they're going to actually be pushed. Now here's KD's chance, but I'm the best player in the world. Like that's the chance right now in the series. Take that step. I, th- I think for me, it's Draymond who's kind of like, you know, scuffled, scuffled through the regular season and then emerged in the previous round where he just looked like the dynamo that he's been in the past. I think that unlocks a lot of things for them. KD too. I mean, KD like just, I'm interested where they, where he ends up on defense. Mm. That's the thing I'm interested with KD. To me, it's Clint Capella. You know, he, he, he won the Rudy Gobert matchup. He won the Towns matchup too. He yeah, won that sure. as well. And this is different though. I mean, like you're going against Draymond Green. If yeah. if you can force Golden State to have to play like Zaza Pachulia, well, then you're you just you're basically spit his name out. Yeah. <laughs> you can't KOC to like I can't be bothered to say Zaza. Like your face scrunched up into yeah. an awful look. Yeah. Well, but, but on the other hand, though, like if you're Golden State, if you can force Houston to pull Capella off, who has been so tremendous protecting the rim, and you force them to go small with Ba Mute or Tucker at the five. Well, that's good for Golden State. Uh, but the fact Houston can play those styles, um, it, it does bode well for them let's to have the ability forget, to adapt. Let's not forget the Nick Young, Gerald Green shootout we're oh all going to get. Oh, please. Yes, oh I God. want that. <laughs> I want that. I also want to see, well, how do we feel about James Harden right now? Because uh, the second round wasn't phenomenal for him. There were some questions about how he's feeling. Um, I'm here for the memes for sure. If he has a bad game, definitely here for the memes. Do we think that he's rested and ready to rock and that we're going to get the James Harden that we got all year? Or do we think that, you know, the James Harden that we got in the second round might show up where he maybe wasn't well, as I mean, efficient? Like as what Jason was saying, you put KD on him, he can yeah. fight over screens and just that's, cover him up. That's That'd the, be fascinating. That's the thing that I'm really interested in. How do they use KD's length? KD's really taken it up a couple notches over the last season and a half like since he's been with the Warriors just unlocking his defensive potential and I think that's an, a huge well, X you know what it reminds me oh, you know what it reminds me of is remember in 2011 when it was LeBron versus Rose mm-hmm. and Rose won the MVP and LeBron was like I didn't know I'm bigger and faster than you and he just took him out of the series and it was like oh my god LeBron's a great defender well Harden's on the MVP this year Durant can be like let me yeah. take that from you. Or do you have Kevin Durant off ball, like on Ariza, Tucker, Bamute, and having him roam, kind of all helping off one of those guys and, you know, essentially taking, trying to take away the lane from Harden's drives. Or maybe or you have him, him as on, a switch defender. Maybe put him on Capel and he comes out of that switch. Like, oh, here I am. I mean, we shouldn't forget either. Like, conversely, Houston had a good year defensively, right? So I'm interested yeah. to see what they do to lock up KD. I mean, like, who do you put? Like, how, do you, how would you go about solving the stuff Clay, Draymond, KD, you know, they're playing four out and they're whipping the ball around. How do you go about solving that? I guess to me, the line of Houston I'm watching is like, can they go Gordon, Paul, Harden? Can they keep one of those defenders off the floor? Because that's their best offensive Mm -hmm. lineup. Can those guys survive on defense? Because you're planning all three of those guys to be scoring big bucks. I'm expecting a high scoring series. Yeah. I think all three of those guys are going. That would be great. Because I'm coming off a Sixers Celtics and like that was a, a rock fight. So like the high scoring would be a lot of fun. Uh, absolutely, and I'm I'm interested to see how Kerr tries to pick at James Harden. They have been the Rockets were a really good defensive team this yeah. year. A lot of that is the new personnel, PJ Tucker, etc. I feel like they're going to go right at Harden with very on switches with straight up with Steph Curry, whoever's on him. I feel like they're going to go right at him and see what they can get. Or like if you have Harden on like Steph or Curry, can he track him around screens yeah. like off the ball for like twenty minutes? And he's tire you know, he's, him out. He's had he's had issues with with being tired and exhaustion in the past. And can you do it? Yeah, can you wear him down? Fatigue's certainly going to be a, a, a huge factor in the series. We saw it in the past with some of D'Antoni's son's teams. Um, Harden, certainly, you know, in the past before D'Antoni has cert- looked fatigued the deeper he's gone into the playoffs. In this last round, he did as well. So having Chris Paul certainly going to help, though, having a Hall of Fame point guard by your side who can help handle the load. Yeah, I the all season all season long, I thought like how they played together was fascinating because I pre seeing it unfold with Chris Paul. I didn't expect that it would go this seamlessly. It's been yeah. great. It's it's. I mean, it's been a revelation, and I think you're right. Like having Chris Paul, who's a Hall of Famer, on that team in this series, like it's kind of weird to say he could be an X factor, but he kind of is. Yeah. He's really kicking ass, and he playoffs. really filled the perfect 
slot that they needed because, you know, what was the way you shut down the Rockets in the playoffs in the past? was like you tried to squeeze them into that long two range. Now you have one of the best mid-range shooters who's ever done it. Yeah. Who's still able to kill from that range. And Chris Paul and problem basically solved. I think if I was like the one thing with I was the Warriors, like you got Paul and Harden, but the Warriors got KD, Clay, and Steph. Like mm-hmm. they can have an off night from one of their guys, whereas the Rockets all guys can't yeah. have off nights. Yeah. So can That's they insane. get like 35 on ISOs against elite defense six, seven games? Yeah. I don't know. Could you say the same thing about some of Golden State's guys though? Like Iguodala, Draymond Green? You know, some of I'm talking like the stars. Like it, they have three stars versus two on offense. Oh, uh, so okay. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, honestly, I think less so. It's like you look at Capella. If Harden's having a bad game, Capella's maybe going to have a bad Probably. game. Probably. You know, yeah. like, so it's That's like, a it's a trickle down effect for that team more than, more than the Warriors. You mentioned uh, Iguodala. You wrote about Iguodala. Like, take us through that piece and, and what he means for that team. Oh yeah, it was, so I, w- I went back and looked at his quotes from like 2013 when he signed there. Yeah. And basically, he sold them on the team. He was like, he came to the meeting. He's like, no, I know what's going on. Y'all got Steph, you got Clay. I'm going to come and do this, this, and this. They're like, we got to sell you. He's like, no, I, I want to do this. This is going to be the team. This is happening. It's fascinating. And he's kind of like masterminded this whole thing from the beginning. Like he was there with KD in the meeting. Like it feels like Iguodala was like, he was like the Jason Kidd of this team where he's kind of like the off the court mastermind. He's the leader in the locker room. Mm-hmm. He guards positions. Great he's defender. Like the, he's the ball mover. Yeah. I have this one play in my article from game four against New Orleans. He gets the ball on the top of the key. There's no one on him. He's wide open. He's like, he goes, Clay, get over there. He literally points at Clay, move. And Steph <laughs> comes to spot. He hits Steph for a three. He's like, literally like, guys, go there. You go here. I'll make it happen. Just- there's a, there's a, a, a clip on Reddit of Iguodala saying Clay, 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 like 50 times trying to get Clay to go to the right spot on the floor. <laughs> That's, that, it feels like NBA desktop yeah, material. It's very, it's very much so. <laughs> um, I, you know, like having covered Iguodala in Philly and then watched what he, what he was there. And then in Denver, and then seeing this version of Iguodala, like where they had to say, okay, well, you're going to be a bench guy and you're going to be doing all these things. And like hearing him sell them on it before it actually happened is really interesting because he wasn't any of those things previously. He was, I mean, he was always a good passer, always a good defender, but he had to do so much more for Denver and Philly. And now for him to just be the intangibles guy and do whatever needs to be done and just be like a really smart guy on the floor who's never going to hurt you is probably what he was always yeah. best to do. They, they, they wanted too much from him in Philly. Oh, way too much. And yeah. also he got killed for the contract. Yeah. Like, like they gave him max money and and like who wouldn't take that? Like that's right. his fault. Yeah. And the funny thing is, so this offseason, they're like, we don't really want to pay you. We have luxury yeah. tax. And he goes, well, let's go to Houston and have a yeah. meeting with the Rockets. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, okay, three for 50. And he's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. so it worked. Yeah. Like yeah. he's got the whole thing figured out, man. It's, it's going to be a fascinating series. I'm super excited about it. We should also do some some exit interviews because those guys are still going. There are teams that are not still going. You want to start with the Sixers because you mentioned it earlier. Sure. I want to hear your reaction. Yeah, how, are you yeah. how are you feeling? Yeah. How are you feeling? What <laughs> should they do? How do you feel about their window, which I think is smaller than people realize? I think um, that series was an interesting series. Kevin is literally laughing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the best part is like we're on a podcast. He's like he's like silent laughing out of the corner of my eye. Um, that series could have gone the other way. There were a number of games, sure. games two and games, games three, sure. where mistakes. Rookie 100%. stuff. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. there were coaching mistakes. And also, again, credit to the Celtics. They played it like a rock fight. They played it like a bully ball where the, yeah. the Sixers were playing extremely fast in the first series. And the Celtics were like, nope, you're not going to do that. We're going to play. We're going to dial the pace way down and you're going to have to beat us that way. And they couldn't, right? And the yeah. Celtics took advantage of that. Credit to them. So the, panic meter, one to 10. Uh, oh. Like 15. <laughs> you, you, what you said about Fultz is right, right? Like what they needed was what Fultz ostensibly could have delivered. Somebody except to create a shot. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen there. And this is something I talked with Bill about on last week's mm-hmm. pod. Bill was given heat to, in a shocking development, <laughs> yeah. uh, Bill was giving heat to Brett Brown because, you know, he's got Brad Stevens and Brad Stevens can do no wrong. For me, I'm much, much, much more concerned about Brian Colangelo. Like Brian Colangelo has got to fix this thing now, right? Yeah. He's He's got to go, okay, well, we still need shooters, but it's probably not going to be Urson. It's probably not going to be Marco Bellinelli. You got to have shooters who can it play defense. It shouldn't be. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, that was, a, that was an yeah, anomaly. It shouldn't be. What are you going to do with JJ? Yeah. Who, I hope he gets his money. Yeah. I hope everybody at the ringer gets their money. Yeah. Um, but you got to figure that out, right? <laughs> yeah. And then what do you do with Fultz? Now, I think you could make a case, right? You can imagine a world where Fultz becomes like a, a starting quality guard contributor on a team. 
I think if you try to imagine a world where Markel Fultz is like an all-star caliber guard, I have a hard time imagining. Well, do you think maybe if he goes somewhere else where like there's less pressure? I guess it's a lot of pressure right now. You're I, a well, good team I mean, this, in the for Philly needs to Philly needs to to really ascertain whether they think he can do it there. And I think the thing that scares me not even a little, like a lot about him, <laughs> is the fact that he's not even attempting the shots. You got to yeah. put him up. He's pulling a Simmons. You got to put him up at least. And Simmons too. I mean, your yeah. guy uh, shoots with the wrong hand. <laughs> Kevin O'Connor, do you have an opinion <laughs> on which hand Ben Simmons should shoot with? <laughs> the right hand. <laughs> yeah. So the Sixers need to make a determination what they think Fultz can give them. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't rise to whatever level they have internally that they think they can build a roster around it easily with, you know, they obviously need to add shooters and someone who can create a shot. And I think they need to try and move him and bamboozle another team into seeing the potential there and picking him up. Before. But here's, here's the thing: like, if you're another team, yeah. how much value? Yeah, you're, you're not going to give them so, value. So, so like, I know, you know it's, the, that's the, the thing. Tra- the trade, you know, idea I put in our an article last month, and we talked about one of the live shows. Like, I don't know, we do so much stuff. I forget which yeah. one. You it do was, a lot but, of shows. Yeah. Right. Kevin no like, content, right? Well, there but, is. But the deal was something along the lines of like Fultz, Covington, Sarich. Two drafts and stashes, including uh, Jonah Bolden, My guy. Jerry you, Bayless, a, a salary filler in the 2018 Lakers pick for Kawhi, and like I was you, you, say, could, you could say that makes that's a shit. It makes a ton of stuff. I, I mean, like, how do you feel about the Kawhi rumor though? Like, because the Sixers doctor, what do you think about that? Well, so the Sixers doctor situation in Philadelphia has always been a point of consternation. Look at what happens, right? Like, Nerlens comes in, Nerlens mm. takes a year off, and Bede comes in, and Bede takes two years off. Uh, Simmons comes in, Simmons takes his first year off. Fultz with his shoulder is uh, either a mental or physical redshirt, but either way, like functionally, he didn't really play. So this is like a point of concern in Philadelphia. So with Kawhi, because the, the like, thing was like it was his dog, the Sixers guy, right, was doing his rehab or something. Yeah, and my point was is that if you're the Spurs, you might not want to take that deal because you were talking about the concern Philly might have with Fultz. Well, why wouldn't the 29 other teams also that share that concern? They know how inconsistent Covington is. They know that there's no certainty with anything that they'd be getting back in a deal like well, that. Well, Kawhi can and be like, I want to go to Philly. That would be the idea. Sure. He, he even pushes. I mean, that would be but, great. But, but right, I would take but Kawhi. Right now, <laughs> but right now, like <laughs> Woj said, he's not available right take, now at this moment. I would so. take Kawhi. I would take LeBron. I mean, they obviously need more because as we just said, the Celtics are set up for quite a long time. And it drives me fucking insane <laughs> that when we're sitting there watching the Celtics who are good without their two, ostensibly their two best players, to watch Jalen Brown, like in Philly, my friends from Philly, it makes them angry how much I like Jalen Brown. Yeah. But he's objectively fucking good. And the Sixers have a guy who is objectively a question mark. That's a, not a very objective. That's, that's a very nice way to say Thank it. you. I appreciate you know, what that. made it even worse in that series was the fact that Jason Tatum was absolutely going ham. Here's the guy that you traded for. That yeah. you passed what did on. I say? Did they, I say Jalen Brown? Yeah, yeah you said Jalen Brown. Oh, oh, I, I, I meant Jason Tatum. That, I mean, well, that's what makes good. it really yeah. difficult. And like, so what? What do you do? What do you do? What would you do about the full situation? Let's say they, they make the determination that he's going to be a league average starting guard or something. Yeah, I mean, then you maybe. have to move. If, right? that's the, if that's the calculus, but then again, so what? what are you getting him back? Yeah. What are you getting back? And for me, it's, it's already a sunk cost, but that like the Jason Tatum thing just drives me absolutely yeah. bad. Hurts your soul. It, bad, it drives me insane because he's he's good right now and he's going to be good for a long time and yes. you don't know what's going and to so happen. And so are they out Fultz. of picks, the Sixers? Do they have any more future picks coming? They have a Lakers pick this year. That's it. It's currently and then the 10th best. The Celtics have like three or four more of these bad the boys Celtics coming. The Celtics in 2019 have a top, and... top one protected Kings pick that if it's the number one pick, they didn't send to get the Sixers pick and they also have a top eight protected Grizzlies pick that becomes unprotected in 2020. I think, Gon, what you got to hope is like mm-hmm. some of these young guys like get some ego things going. You guys start spewing that negativity in the air. That's your bet. <laughs> well, uh, Philadelphia, good chance of that happening uh, for negativity in the air. Let's talk about some of these other teams that got bounced out because I can't is do it. Is it really negative sense. though? What is it a really negative? Like this I mean, is so far ahead of schedule. Yeah, yeah but the thing is, you look you know, at yeah, but the, like it's way okay, far so ahead of schedule. Fultz question mark JJ Redick free agent. He'll be back, I think. Uh, okay, fine. How many but, years in for how much? Exactly. I want to know first. Sure. But go ahead. McConnell, uh, unrestricted free agent, two thousand nineteen. Basically, Simmons, an NBA All Star. Yes. Continue. Simmons, <laughs> restricted free agent, two thousand twenty. I'm saying, like, if looking at to assemble your team, Fultz was going to be a core. I mean, the yeah, core, a crucial piece. part. 
And this affects your window because if he's mm-hmm. not that guy, you need to go and find and, that guy and, somewhere. And, and despite what I just said about like their far ahead of schedule, like this could be Embiid's healthiest season. That's what you know? I mean. Well, that's, that's, that's that's ben Simmons may never. Yeah, I don't like how this man. this podcast has been hijacked. <laughs> I will say, Philly's <laughs> are, I would take their future over the maps. So like, you know, it's okay. <laughs> or the next for yeah, a yeah, joke. Oh, for sure. um, what about all right? So for other like, take your take your what about their window uh, conversation and apply it to the Toronto Raptors. What do they do? Because the Raptors now, they had Dwayne Casey, who could be the end up being the coach of the year, and he just got fired, which Paolo Ugetti willed into existence. He spoke it into existence, just like LeVar Ball would have spoken it into existence. He wanted this to happen. It might actually happen. I feel bad for Dwayne Casey. We all do. But it, it was time, I think, frankly, like for something to change there. I was surprised they brought him back before. I was surprised as well. That said, the best season in Raptors history... It, what, it was what does that mean? You have to blow it up. This is their ceiling. I mean, like, <laughs> blow I think you got to blow it up. I mean, when, when they made that run from 25 down with yeah. the Rosen on the bench, that's a warning flag. It's time to go. I will uh, say, like, the one thing about it, like, blowing it up, like, they already have the young players. It's not like they're like, oh, they're going to be bad for a while. They got young players who are going to be better. Yeah. Like, I think. To me, like I would go smaller. I would start OG, start Pascal, get a new coach. Probably you, empower you love small ball so much. Well, I'd probably empower uh, DeRo- Probably move Lowry, empower Wright and Van Vliet. And like, yeah, their future may not be great, but they got a good young team. But what are you Don't getting panic. for yeah, a thirty-two-year-old yeah, point guard making over thirty million dollars? Like, so that like my thing is is like one year ago when I wrote the blow it up article and it seems stupid. Like yeah. I felt like that was a better time to do it after resigning everybody, doing it during the season. But their season was so great that it was worth sticking with it and continuing moving forward and trying to build and maximize the next two years. I just I just don't know what you're going to get for a 32-year-old point guard who's who's probably not built for a long, sustainable career making over $30 million the next two seasons in a league where every team basically has a point guard. I just don't I know mean, what that like, is. I mean, but the thing to me is like it, it doesn't even matter because you have three or four young guys who are going to be long-term stars in the league. So you don't need big foundational pieces. Who's going to trade for him though? That's my, like, there yeah. might not be a single team in the league that would trade for Kyle Lowry. Like, I, there really might not be a single one. Phoenix, maybe? I don't think so. Because McDonough's job's in the Phoenix line. Phoenix can aim for bigger fish than Kyle Lowry, I think. There's so many. I mean, part of the problem is the age. Part of the problem is the money. Part of the problem, I think the bigger problem is that point guard is so deep, right? Yeah. Like if yeah. you're going to upgrade a the, point guard. The tough thing, too, is you, she's not multi-positionally so small. Yeah. So yeah. you really can't play him without a point guard. Let me look this up. This makes me feel somebody. better about the Sixers as I think about the Raptors. <laughs> because it really, the Raptors, like, well, it sucks. They had their moment. And I think it, that moment is over. I Whatever think, my moment was. Here's the thing, though. They'll come back and win 52 yeah. games next yeah, year. Yeah, but what does that mean? Really? I, exactly. I'm just saying, like, as a Knicks fan, I'll take a, I'll take like, I know, right? I'll take a bunch of 50 win seasons that you don't would? go anywhere, like, in a row. Really? Yeah, I'll take it. Like, the Mavs only 50 games for like six more years, probably. Yeah. I wrestle with this sometimes because there are markets, right, where you go, you know, 45 to 50 something wins and a, pl- and a couple of playoff series yeah. and you're going to pack the building and people are going to feel good, but you're never going to be a real championship contender. That's good enough. That's okay. For me, I'd probably get bored of that eventually. Like if you yeah. were a Raptors fan, wouldn't you look at like what's how even with, and Barrier just wrote a really smart piece yes. about like everything in the East goes through LeBron regardless, but take LeBron out of the conference, right? And toss him into the Western conference just for a second. We just spent a large portion of this program saying the Celtics and the Sixers, mostly the Celtics fine. But the Celtics and the Sisters are positioned to dominate the Eastern Conference for the next however many years. Even without LeBron, they're fucked. The Raptors. With LeBron, they're extra fucked. Well, I would say like philosophically. So like I was in Dallas. The Mavs won 50 games for like 10 years in a row if I won a championship. It wasn't boring, man. It was great. Like they went to the playoffs. He had some fun series. They did squeak out the one. But I'm saying like that happened way at the end of it. Like I still had a great time beforehand. Like what do you got? Life is too short. We got to win a championship every year. 30 teams in the league. That's that's my thing with Toronto. It's like, you know, last year I wrote the blow it up thing. And this year it's like, I don't know if there's a way to blow it up, if there is, great, then do it. If you can trade Kyle Lowry for something yeah. that makes sense, something you can trade DeRozan for, then do it. Pull the plug. Just do it. But How about, if you can't, um, if you can't do it, then what you need to do is build towards the future while trying to maximize these next two years. And you know what? If DeRozan, Valanchunas, Kyle Lowry, all those guys hit free agency, and let they him walk, go. if they yeah. walk or you trade them at the deadline that year, yeah. then then so be it. But do what you can to yeah, maximize see, what the I'm two saying, years so like right now, forward. OG is 20, Pascal's 24, 
Van Vliet's 24. DeLon Wright's 26. Pearl is 22. Like, you've got a good young team. Like, no reason to panic. Like, in worst case scenario, Lowry and DeRozan are gone. We have big young guys to build going forward. I I think probably the most damaging thing is just, like, the emotional toll that this series took on them. Because this was really the year. They They made all the changes. They made all the changes. They adjusted the offense. They got DeRozan and and Lowry to spread the offense around. Mm -hmm. They got good minutes out of Valanchunas. The young guys came up. All of a sudden, there's a bench. They have perimeter defenders with Van Vliet. Long guys. They could throw different looks at you. And they got It still didn't matter. They got wrecked. They did literally everything that needed to happen for this year to go as well as it did. It went perfect for them up until the playoffs against the Broncos. Okay, so I went and looked at a basketball reference. So before the 2016 conference finals year, Raptors around 20 years, they'd won one playoff series in 20 years. So, like, this was a great run. Like, it's a weird mindset we have. Like, <laughs> one series in 20 years. And they won their first game one in, like, Damning with in like praise. five years or yeah. whatever it is. It is a great run, but it's also about, you know, you mentioned all the youth in their team. Like, let's say let's say they didn't have all that impressive yes. youth. Well, then, it, then it's time to think about, well, we need to build for sustaining winning into the 2020s. Yeah. And, but, you know, they do have a, a solid future outlook. I'm not sure. Hey, Casey, did you, and, were, and any of those guys are really that impressive to me aside from OG Ananobi. Like, all right, he's like 26 years old right now. Yeah. He's not Van, that young. KFC, were you, were you, when you were saying buttonholes, were that just you speculating or you think that's going to happen for uh, sure? That's what I heard. Okay. That's actually, I think, a good... That's a perfect team for him. It'd be a good spot for him. It'd be a good good coach for them. But then he's also what lost to LeBron in two sweeps the last year. Yeah, Yeah, that's different teams, though. Still, but the optics of it are great. One thing I'm curious about, though, is like with Coach Bud, he's a guy that's um, never seemed like super composed in the sidelines. Um, I'm not sure maybe that's the right fit for Toronto, but who knows? Maybe they need that. He's a really good coach. Maybe they need that. Maybe they need somebody to like lose. I want everybody to. Maybe you need that. I want everybody to start panicking. I want to talk about the other two teams. They got bounced out of the semifinals as well. And what we think about them as they move forward with the Pelicans and the Jazz. Between those two, what do you think about their future prospects? They were both successful seasons, surprising seasons, but clearly both teams need more. The Jazz definitely need more offense. And the Pelicans, I mean, maybe it's just a Boogie solve, but Boogie's also coming off an Achilles and he's going to, he's a large dude to begin with. And in a way, they were playing better without him. Yeah. So how do we feel about those two teams? Well, to me, I did an article about the Pelicans after they lost. I was saying, if if it's possible, it's not a salary cap. To me, you got to go Boogie for someone like Otto Porter. You got to get another perimeter defender in there who can play with Golden State. I think Davis at the five is the way to go. I mean, especially even without the injuries. Like, I just watched Wesley Matthews for three years after the Achilles, man. (laughs) It's tough. And And Wesley works way harder than Name one guy guy who came back at anything approximating the similar level. A lot less weight, too, right? I mean, like, he's a smaller dude. Like, Boogie's a big guy to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, keeping the pounds off, not easy, and doing it with coming off an Achilles, that's going to be a struggle. And you're right. Like, I just wonder, like, athletically, what's he going to look like? Yeah, uh, I'm reading straight from an article we did during the really? series. This is great. Players who have ruptured their Achilles return to the court with varied results. Elton Brand and Wesley Matthews were never the same. Dominique Wilkins played seven more high-level seasons. There's there's like a mixed bag, you know, with yeah. guys who return. It seems like if you're an elite athlete like Dominique Wilkins, maybe you can do it. But some of those guys that yeah. aren't, it's tough. Like like you said, Charks, Boogie carries a lot of weight. Yeah. So it's it, if you're New Orleans... Maybe you do try to go for that two, three year deal, but if you're Boogie's camp, you're like, no, 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 no. We, I want, we need that. We need a lot. And even in those best case scenarios, the Dominique Wilkins, for instance, it takes over a season to come back. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like you'll, he'll play when he gets healthy and is clear to play, but he, the rust will be thick and very red. Like yeah. it's going to take a while for him to, till you're able to say, okay, this is his consistent level of play. And we just don't know what that's going to look like. I don't the history know, is not good. I don't know what the Pelicans do, though. I think they. I, yeah, I, mean, I don't. I don't know. How, I don't know how they don't resign him. Right. I mean, right. like if like who knows? Maybe Boogie wants to go somewhere else. But my guess is like you stay put because you like if you're the Pelicans, what else are you going to do? There's I mean, nothing. It's, it's kind of it's really. it's it's the reason that Drew Holiday was offered an extension. It's the reason yeah. Ray John Rondo is you on this. Get those is guys. on this point guard, is is the point guard on this team is because. They had to do it. Yeah. yeah. So it's I saw it's a path yeah. dependency. Yeah. Once I yeah. started on this path, it kind of closed yeah. their options. Yep. Yeah. Then, then with like Etwan Moore playing out of position on that team, there's not, yeah. look, there's not a lot of options for New Orleans. And that's why it's like, if you're them, I would hope, you know, if I'm New Orleans, I, do, I would hope that there's a team willing to sign and trade for Boogie. But if you're the Washington Wizards, 
why, why would you give up Otto Porter, a, a yeah. really good 3 and D wing slash forward for a guy coming off a torn Achilles? Is it just to make John Wall happy? No, you're not going to do that. Uh, I just, I don't know how many teams out there would want Boogie, which is why I think ultimately yeah. he just ends up back there, maybe on a two, three year deal, unless you're Dallas Mavericks Charks. Are they, risk. And that's, oh man, that'd they be might. fantastic. Get, get a, a that will go well with Rick and Boogie. Yeah. It's gonna go really, really <laughs> well. Real strong <laughs> connection with Boogie's <laughs> like, Rick, I'm running point sure. center, and that's what's gonna happen. Nothing to <laughs> nothing to worry about there. What about with the Jazz? How do we feel about the Jazz and their prospects? I like that Jazz team. They're fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that they had a better season than a lot of people anticipated, but clearly they need more offense. It's Donovan Mitchell's team already. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think KOC is going to laugh at me. To me, you have to move off Favors at the four. It's probably time to get a little smaller around. <laughs> you Gobert. love the small ball. Yeah. I'm I mean, you. I think like two bigs in this league, it's just, it's only so far it's going to go. Especially the Rockets, the Warriors yeah. in your Favors conference. Favors probably gone anyway, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think with Mitchell and Gobert, that's a, that's a good start. That's a point. really good core. Like when you hit on a player like Mitchell, down at 13, yeah, 14, 15. It's crazy. It can really alter the trajectory of your franchise. And, and I think it has clearly. So, I mean, the question is it really ameliorates some of the like the questions around the Dante okay, Exum so situation. Here's my question, like, though. like, do you think Mitchell's good enough for guys to be like, oh, I'll go play in Salt Lake I'll sign a contract there? No. Can he get no, guys? He's no. not that good. No. Is anyone that good? Not, no. You're not going to Salt Lake. I mean, he's a star. He's a star player, but is he a superstar player of that caliber? I mean, he's a pretty talent. I don't know. Yeah. You know, in, in a way, I, you know, like we joke and we say no, but maybe like in a, when in a in a cap environment where there's right. not a lot of teams with max space and Utah is the only team coming at you with the ability to offer the full max, then maybe Mitchell is good enough. Maybe maybe Quinn Snyder is good enough. Because they got a cl- they got a clean sheet coming up. They have they'll have room yeah. to make some to yeah. toss some money at people. Yeah, only seventy five million guaranteed guaranteed for this summer. Then only forty five million for the following summer. Uh, granted, that's obviously going to change with guys who might resign. Dennis Lindsay's done a up. fantastic job yeah. with that. I mean, he, let's yeah. not forget the great Joe Ingles. Jangles is still there. Jang- He's locked up for a long time. Jangle and Joe has a legitimately impressive playoff reel. So like, it's legitimately good. Yeah. I, I talked about He's this. Roasted teams. I talked about this with Shay on last week's podcast. Jingles was one of Shay's guys who, in the playoffs, has helped his reputation the most. Like during last season and then this regular season. I probably would have been like Joe Ingles agnostic. This playoffs was fake. He was believe. excellent. He yeah. was excellent. Now, I went back and watched that take hunter thing y'all did. And <laughs> yeah, I was talking about Joe Ingles. Like, this yeah. guy's a genius. <laughs> but but does Joe Ingles look like an NBA player, though? Is this a bit you're doing but, with Vernon but, or something, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, he's six foot eight. Of course he NBA. looks like an I mean, NBA yeah. player. He's tall. Spreads he the floor. Like, like why Verno doesn't think he does? It's, yeah, he, of course he looks like an NBA player. I mean, if he was six, six two, he would. Yeah, he's freaking huge. Well, no, but what does an NBA player look like? What does an NBA player look like? That's for tomorrow's podcast with Chris Vernon and Kevin O'Connor. I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, Jonathan Sharks literally flew in from Dallas for this. Uh, Flying back right after the show. Jason Concepcion brought Milton in. Kevin O'Connor brought his fresh new haircut. Isaac Lee is always here holding it down. We want to encourage everybody to check out all of our NBA content on TheRinger.com. We're going to have a ton of stuff for you guys. And of course, per usual, NBA show has a ton of stuff to talk about all week long. We've got a live lottery show on Tuesday night group chat. Wednesday night for Thursday, draft class, two-thirds of the draft class sitting right here in the podcast studio right now. And we've also got Bill Simmons. He's going to talk a lot of NBA basketball. We've got NBA desktop two times a week. You got to make sure you check that out. Best show on TV. Next (laughs) week, Isaac and I will be back. Isaac will be in LA. I will be in Cleveland because there's going to be basketball there in theory, and I'm going to go and check it out. So we'll, we'll have a heat check from Cleveland next week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye.